It was goals galore in game week 12. As league leaders, Chelsea exacted their dominance at the King Power Stadium. Moore and St. James both saw six goals shared equally amongst the teams. League chasers Liverpool and City kept up by scoring four and three respectively. But at the end of the game week, it was four goals scored by Watford and Vicarage Road that put that closed the veils on Ole's reign in the theater of dreams. I'm Chooks, your host on this episode, and you're listening to the Empty Stands podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined with Bamiji Ohis and AY. But before we go into the main action and discussion, AY, how are you doing today? Hello, good evening, guys. Um, it's great to be back. The weekend was filled with goals. I, I think the new managers in the league came with goals from Kunse with Tottenham to this week, Norwich, Sevindira, the Villa. Um, I mean, there was there were goals everywhere. On Saturday, it was, a, it was a rain of goals. And, uh, of course, uh, the big news, when they're losing his job with Manchester United. So, there's a lot to unpack on the show this evening. And I can't wait to get started. Yeah, so it's actually a whole lot to take in as a United fan. But one man who I know would be singing hallelujahs and kumbaya at that news, or two men, are the other people on this side of the show. Bamiji, I'll start with you. How are you doing today? Hey, Chucks, I'm good. Um, great to have you back and um, Ois as well. Also, nice to have AY. And like you said, I did sing Hallelujah. I waited up all night until we finally got the confirmation from Fabrizio that finally happened. Not because I fully is a bad person in general or anything, or I don't still feel indebted to what he did in right now, but the truth is that. When it comes to business like this, it's business. There's nothing. There's no sentiment to it. It's at reached the point where you have to go, and the right decision was made. Although it it really reeks of improper planning, and um, I want to use the words to it. I have to come to this to a forward humiliation before the board. Then what was the point for the international break? Why didn't you take the time to start looking for for who's going to replace him? So you were hoping that he kept on winning results and everything. So it, it finally happened. It's something that dragged for too long, but something that needed to happen and it finally happened. Yes, it did happen. And like you said, business is business. A legend still, but business has to be treated as such. Well, here's, if I ask you how you do, I know how you're doing. But just tell us, how does it feel knowing that your agenda has finally paid off? Ole, 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 ole. So the thing is, like I said, on Saturday through Sunday, every bet I lost, every bet I won, every everything was vindicated by Ole finishing his, in quote, first spell as United manager without a trophy. So yes, there were some times I made a lot of hot takes. Sometimes I made a lot of correct predictions, wrong predictions. But one thing remains is when Ole got the job on 19 December 2018, 
as caretaker manager of Manchester United, I promised everyone that I won't win silverware. And as at 21st November 2021, that happened. So I, I can't express the joy in my heart that I ran the course of almost three years of an agenda that saw me lose money, win money, win fans, lose fans, win friends, lose friends, and most unhonorably change clubs from the red side of Manchester to the claret and blue side of London. Ole frustrated me when he was coaching Cardiff. And when he came to my club, I knew it wasn't going to be for good. So most things that everyone is seeing now, yes, you can say, uh, did you just use one season to judge in quotes, three seasons of what you saw in Manchester United. But when we get to talking points of to saw in 2013, that people didn't see then, and maybe we saw now. So Tom can foresee the future. Well, not many can, based on past events and other things that you actually highlight as the manager goes on. Anyways, the game week started very interestingly with the Kings of Europe showing all of their minds at the King Power Stadium, where they defeated host Leicester City by three goals to nil. Can anyone possibly stop Chelsea from claiming the league with the rate at which they're going? You have to consider the fact that they played with no out-and-out number nine, and you have goals coming from everywhere, especially the defenders. Ay, what do you think, or who do you think, if possible, can stop Chelsea claiming this from now until here? All right, so Chelsea are currently, um, they're fantastic, they're spectacular. And the fact that they are doing what they've been doing last, in the last um, two or three games without a recognized striker is very impressive and it tells a lot about the character of the team. Um, I think they are very difficult to beat. And the next three matches against United, Watford, and West Ham are going to be tricky, especially with the events of the last uh, couple of days uh, with, um, with Watford beating United. So all highs will be at when Chelsea go there. Then uh, with... Um, with Carrick and Fletcher coming in, looking to see how do how I mean how, how they will fare at Stamford Bridge at the weekend. But um right now they are they are playing so well that the other title challengers will be hoping that they can keep up with Chelsea for as long as possible until they sleep up because I mean it's not able to take this into the season yet. So there's still a long, long way to go and they will be sleeps. Just like they lost at home to City, they drew at home to Burnley. There will be days like that that um, it will just come up for them as a team. So what the challengers will hope is that they are as close as possible to be able to take advantage of those slip-ups. But right now, they are very, very good. And uh, Chelsea fans are definitely, definitely on the road right now. Yeah, it seems, it seems at this time they look unstoppable. I'm, I'm just watching to see if that purple patch would actually come. But before any of that happened, we have to look or travel down to Villa Park where one legend set up his team to produce a good showing in this game. Steven Gerrard began life at Villa Park with a win 
against Victor's Brighton to hand Villa their first win after five consecutive league defeats. Has this settled in quickly to the league? Saying everyone says the Premier League is the toughest league, he may not find his footing when he comes in. Well, how well do you think he has settled in? It's just one game. How do you think that went to his? Um, so the truth is, I I mean, DSTV doesn't really air um, games in the Scottish Premiership, but I saw a few cameos because I was following this guy, um, Joe Aribo of um, the Super Eagles. So I saw what Lampard's ideas are about his um, wingers talking in centrally and fullbacks flying high up the flanks and so on and so forth. So people like Matty Cash and um, my target, they are really going to flourish under Steven Gerrard. Sadly, due to um, travel commitments over the weekend, I couldn't see any 4 p.m. game on Saturday. But from the highlights, I can tell you that um, Tyro Minks and Watkins are really taking advantage of this system. It's like, I would say, a low-budget type of Chris Wilder's type of setup. Only this time, the centre-backs are not the ones overlapping. Is the wing back that overlapping for the wingers to talk in centrally? So Lampard has ideas, and I'm happy that yes, it's just one game. He's seeing is, it is through. He calling for my own, sorry, mistake. Um, Gerard good ideas. I don't know how them because they are both mid generals. So Gerard has good ideas, but what I just feel is that in the Premier League, you can't be particularly stubborn. You need to adapt. That okay. Yes, this worked for me against Brighton. If I'm playing Norwich next week, it won't work. If I'm playing City next week, it may not work. So I feel like Stevie, Stevie G has to now adapt how switch from, in quotes, his philosophy week in, week out to other stable things that will get results. As we know in the Premier League, and it will always continue to be, results keep being the SI unit of longevity of coaches that have stayed the most. For example, Sean Dyche. Sean Dyche may not play your heart-watering football, but his objective every season is to keep his side up. Does he do it? Yes. Is it pleasing to watch? Maybe not. So, Stevie G has to know that this may was sacked because Aston Villa is, in quote, now a top-10 side, maybe planning to contesting for Europa side. So, he knows that, yes, he's not under pressure of in quotes, surviving the relegation um, zone and so on and so forth. But Villa is no more a bottom six side. So Gerard has to know that I'm not here just to stay up. I'm here to stay up and also fight for the top 10 or top half table spots. Yeah, and, and I would understand that clearly because that is what Villa would be trying to do, having finished where they did last season. But it's early days, like you mentioned, and it's also early days for the man who Steven Gerrard replaced Aston Villa, the person of Dean Smith, who was taking over from Daniel Farke at North End. He's given them the second league win in the first 12 games. How do you think, how do you think um, this would affect them, seeing that they are now finally, for the first time this season, out of 20th spot up to 19th? away from from last position Newcastle. You think he has a pedigree to keep them in the league this season? Well, what's your take, Chris? Um, I'll actually go out and say no. He doesn't have it. 
but now we should not mind because this is our Hail Mary. Wow. Love going down and coming. You know, if, if, if there's any team in the Premier League that you go back in the next, in the past five, six years, and you check their record of how they go into the Premier League, what they did when they go into the Premier League, and how they went out, you can tell that you could ask a lot of questions about what's going on with Norwich. You can't get promoted this much into the Premier League without a plan. We've seen things like Wolves, we've seen things like Sheffield come into the Premier League, they have a definite plan and they move forward. But Norwich come in looking bad season in, season out. And with, with, with that, they always keep getting relegated. So this week at Norwich, they match made in heaven. Oish kind of gave me a prelude to, to go into this conversation because Aston Villa changed expectations from a team that was uh, fighting relegation to a team that looking to break into the top 10 bracket. Even though some of the things that happened to this week and Aston Villa this week is not solely down to him. I don't think this week is that man that can help them do that transition. Is he good at beating relegation? Yes, he is. So I think him and Norwich are much made in heaven, not because he's going to save them from relegation, but once they go down, <laughs> if there's any man that's going to pick them back up, probably going to be there. Yes. So it's, they cannot be saved from the drop this season. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I think we're relegated. This team is not nearly good enough. I mean, there's the issue um, far they had with them for Council, but um, this means to bring, bring it back in like we, like we saw against Southampton. And even though um, you could say it was a new manager bounce, you could tell that at least he, he, he varies in his own um, tactics other than, than how far he used to be. The fact irregardless, he's always going to come out at you and then attacking coaching in court. But sometimes you need a coach that needs to learn to be pragmatic, like what you said. You need to know how to treat the game as the thing you're playing, not because this is my tactic. And that's what he did against Alcantara. Marcelo's putting in the ball for a goal scorer that we know can score goals in the Premier League. That's in the cookie. Before um, only got a goal from the corner. So it's, it's um, lucky margins that will give Norwich a little bit of a eye this season, but in, at the end of it, there's no quality enough for them to remain in the Premier League. And that's why I go back to the board. You can't keep coming into the Premier League and not having it. How, how much changes do they make to the team that qualify from the championship? How much? You see, you see Wolves, they built it. They built the team. They added Imines when he got into the Premier League. They added players that they knew would keep them in the league, but no, which is the same people that he came with the last time that almost put out here. The Mavuki was called goals, but goals are usually not enough. So why are you bringing it to support him? You lost them, um, when they are, who did you bring to replace him? Sergeant, those guys are not good enough, and I don't think they'll, they'll pick the job. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that one. I just hope for Dean Smith to say somehow he pulls out a Dini here, but wait, it's still early days in the season as a whole. Anyways, the how is more than new to the claws that cut their impressive form and put it to a halt. AY has said in, I think the last, one of the last two or three episodes, AY said that West Ham would not finish the top four. Oh yes, as a West Ham fan, <laughs> think about the game first of all, and where do you think 
you finish this season. Okay, so um, I will start from the game before the international break against Liverpool, where I was one of the only people in world football who didn't celebrate that win because my worst West Ham player scored the winning goal, called Zuma. So the why I wasn't happy about that victory was Obona got injured. And I've said since last season that Obona is the leader of the line because Obona has paired with four different CBs. And you notice that anytime Obona doesn't play, we are a different side at the back. There were some times where Dawson tried. Dawson wasn't the same when he wasn't pairing with Obona. There's a try Isa Diop tried. He wasn't the same when he wasn't with Obona. So I... Even Babuena, Babuena had a very good patch. And when he had that good patch, it was in a back three with Cresswell and Obona. So as soon as we won that game and everyone was like, ah, Zuma, will you know, like they perform. I said, yes, Zuma has had some good games. He has had some bad games. But the truth is, if you look at Zuma's career, most of his best times, when he was alone um, in Stoke, Everton, where he had a Jackie Oka, Stoke, where he had a Robert Hoot, he always needs a leader at the back. Zuma is a decent defender. I'm taking not away from him, but I don't think Zuma has the proper attributes to lead the line. So first of all, about the game, it was we we, we lacked a leader in that defense because yes, it was a good combination from Wolves, Podens to Raul and all, but with a leader in the line, would have tactically organized enough and maybe would have considered a goal quite alright, but not that type of goal that was so cheap. It was, sorry to say, it was like Maguire played, like, uh, Maguire took, what's the word now? Maguire took, when, when Maguire left um, Vicar Road when he got sent off, he came to VC Molyneux to complete the game. That's how useless our defense was that day. So um, there were a couple of times that we killed saves from Fabianski and so on and so forth. But I just feel like that game showed that we need a leader at the back. And if I'm Moyes, I will switch back to back three where even if Cresswell is not a centre-back, he has enough leadership abilities to lead a back three. Maybe Cresswell, Zuma and Dawson with a Maswaku and Ben Johnson or Maswaku and Sufal as wing-backs for our next run of games. Because our next run of games, they're not really against the creme la creme. I know we have City and Chelsea in the mix, but I'm talking of the type of teams we play. They are teams that will pass break, knock, and so on. So the summary is, I don't think we can make top four because we don't have this um, strength. Not squad depth. We have 30 outfield players and three goalkeepers this season because of our Europa League commitments. But I'm saying we don't have players that can fill in in every position. So for example, if Antonio gets injured, we play Vlasic or Yamalenko as a false nine. If a Fornaus gets injured, our replacement is Lanzini. So we have size of players in quotes, but we don't have the depth, like quality of these players to replace people when they have injuries. Yes, I know some people are stepping up, like Ben Johnson, like um, Rice has started adding goals to his game and so on and so forth. But I don't think we can make top four. And I think until we tweak what is at the back, we will keep having this poor run of results. Because like I always tell people, we may have improved in goal scoring, but West Ham, as we all know, we've always relied on Mikel Antonio. So when Antonio isn't scoring, another people can step up. And we now have a defensive problem. We'll keep falling off the log. Yeah. Uh, I get yeah, 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 yeah. True, sorry. Let me let, let me come in here. I'll, I'll be quick. 
Um, All right. But I think this, this is a is a is a man on from Boys on Zuma. He, he spoke for because he finally at the end of the what he went on, I thought he should have started with what the major problem was, then probably come back to him. But because he has a man on from Zuma, that goal was a typical classic number nine Raul Jimenez goal. Brilliant from Prudence, brilliant from Jimenez. Um, the, the position he was in, you need a defensive midfielder who is standing there to, to see when he stopped running because he stopped running into the box and waited partly at the end of the box to receive the ball from Prudence. Prudence was smart enough to see it and gave it back to him. So blaming Zuma in particular for that, I think that's the man on from Kuiz and I, I, I don't buy it. One, the major issue is and the goals have dried up for Antonio. The seriously dried up Antonio. He's currently he's accurately right when he says West Ham, they are foiled by Antonio's goals. They are that like his goals give the team some kind of energy that they don't even know they have. At the start of the season when it was scoring the likes of Benrama, they woke up and like, yo, okay, let's support how much how can we support this man? But now the goals have dried up in attack. There were, there were a lot of misses from one of the most improved men um, in the league that's going against them. If he scored any of that goal, it could have been. But it was just one of those games where Raul Jimenez did what Raul Jimenez does very good. And But yeah, Obuna is the leader in the West Ham defence. But Zuma, in particular, to be blamed for that game, I think that's the rush. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things. and. It actually affects my FPL. Every single game with that, Antonio seems to not have his shooting boots on. Every single game. But this is not an FPL re- preview episode, so we'll be moving on from that point. And looking at one man's dreams that were drawn to a halt. After United's nightmare performance at Vicarage Road, it was time to draw the curtains on Ole's time at the Theatre of Dreams. Was it a case of he had played all his cards, and at this point, he had nothing else to put on the table. Or, or what? I have, I'm not sure where it is. So, Ewai, can you help me out here? Only has taken the team um, far enough. In the last few games, you guys relate to the win we had sports. Um, there's the the performances has been reading with a lot of individual errors. Um, disjointed place in defense, inability to play out from the back, the midfield um, looked out of ideas. Bruno Fernandez has been a shadow of himself. Um, up front, they've relied on the brilliance of Cristiano Ronaldo. Nine goals in short games, scored in each of their Champions League games. So um, in the last few games, you just, you just see that uh, there's, a, there's a lack of soul in the performances. It seemed looked short of ideas and confidence. And I mean, it's quite embarrassing to be seeing these kind of things um, about a team like Manchester United, but that's just the way it is. And putting all that together, it seemed like a natural point for both Manchester United and, and their coach um, come to the end of the club. And it was just the right time for him to step aside. Yeah, I think with, with the way things played out, it was definitely the right time, probably later, as some people feel, for him to set aside. Obamiji, looking at all of this and looking at the past three years with this man at the wheel, how would you summarize his time at United? Would you rate it a success or an outright failure? 
The truth is, anyhow you want to look at it, the at the end of the day, people will tell you that Mourinho was more successful than Georgia was for United, because you need to win the trophy. The reason why Ateta still has a job till now, despite finishing hopefully for us now last season, is because we won a trophy. We won trophy. So that's at the end of the day, you, you could say people have started attending Moses a lot, that it brought us out of suffering. The suffering that Mourinho left us in, in terms of um, some of the decisions we made, some of the players we signed that he was not using, and all of that. So it brought us out of that, only to get us to a certain level where we feel we should not go back to that. But if you actually compare some of the circumstances where um, that going starts, you see that it's a little bit similar to what happened with Joseph. There's no doubt he, he, he left us in a much better squad held position. Um, I mean, you look at our team and we expect that this should be part of the very interesting title race that is currently ongoing between Chelsea and City. But it was so obvious the golf in quality between those managers and the manager we have. I broke it down into three things that happened earlier at United. The very first one, that he refused to learn from his mistakes. If you are a man that you are learning on the job, you lied on your CV, one way or the other, you got the job. What you do to ensure that your CV is never questioning as you got the things that you put on that seat properly to be able to deal with some deficiencies that he has. And that's why he found himself in the same situation. That thing that happened to United this season that he could feel it could call deja vu because it happened last season, it happened last two seasons. And that's very poor for for a, a man at United. That's one. Two, losing when it matters the most. You of all people know how much I've been begging you to get off all the But one, this man was not taking us anywhere. You can't lose the Europa League final against a Villarreal side that was very, very bad. That could that were just joined. If you check their record before the game, they got a lot of draws. So they were not doing particularly well. United should have really won that game, but when Emery showed it was a much better tactician than only, that's why the, the, the wealth of players they had in their disposal, he made one change in the 55th minute. I'll never forget it. Carlos Baca for preparing and locked the game up and got them out with what he wanted. Not to beat the bush around, but those are the things that happen to a lot. It could, it could take us on a beautiful ride from um, um, January to November. Then when it matters most, the last game that matters most is Ole. So that was the second thing that messed up um, Ole. Then finally, his legacies were not sustainable. If you look back at what the best things Ole, Ole did, I'm not sure any manager would want to come out and say, yo, this is what I want to be remembered for. A way wins record. What the hell is that? You're, you're winning a way when there's no fans or there's no... What, what really is what's substantial about that? That you have so much away wins, you can't win in your own house. That's one. Two, coming back from behind. Ferguson came back from behind when he needed to. That was not his go to. So you have United coming back from behind from games that you expect that they would win. And some people were celebrating that as this is what Ole is good at. That's, it, it's not sustainable. And as you can see, it, it finally got to the stage where it stopped being sustainable. So these three things were what characterized Ole's time at United and why he got that.
you, you said you said it all already. It's in as much as he's leaving out a good squad health. The circumstances are similar, are similar to the time Yuzi left. And one man who admires Yuzi Mourinho a lot, probably his mentor, I'm not certain what bond they share. But one man who likes him a lot is Ohis. And Ohis, if I ask you to summarize, if I'm a Manchester United fan, summarize all this time at United in, let's say, one sentence, what would you say this time at United was? It was topsy-turvy. So Ole will go on this run where you will trust the process. You will feel like you can win everything. You can fly without wings, even when Westlife couldn't. And it will just start going down to the wire. And the games this thing starts, let me use last season as an example. So it was first, um, what's the name of this team? I think Sociedad, they wiped them off first half. And you were like, man, we're winning Europa. Go punish anybody. And then Milan comes. Milan seems a bit stubborn. And then Bruno and Pogba combined for the winning goal that takes them to the next round. And then all of a sudden, Villarreal starts looking like the 2002 World Cup winners Brazil. So difficult to beat. So difficult to do the normal... Um, cross and no against and so on and so forth. So I would say most of Ole's victories were not tactical, tactically related. They were individual brilliance. Um, they, were, they were attributed to individual brilliance of the players. But most of his defeats were caused by the lack of tactical nuances. And let's I say, I've disliked Ole since 2013. Why? So in his team of 2013, Ole had Fraser Campbell, he had Zaha. He has always been one for development of young stars. And that side, I'm not saying they didn't deserve to be 20th. I'm talking of the manner in which they lost some games. There was a game that they lost from, I think, either two goals down or one goal down. I can't remember the team just yet, but I will be sure to, I mean, portray my agenda to find the game out and bring it to light that he was a goal or it goes up. He couldn't do proper game management because of the playing the United Way type of style. I don't know how he coached him all day because I didn't watch that league. I just feel like if Ole could rely on individual brilliances to in quotes win games, he should also rely in these individual brilliances to see games out and make some stupid changes like removing Fred for um uh, sorry, removing maybe an attacker and bringing on McTominay and so on and so forth. Like most of United's problems down to coaching. And if we see that, okay, most of United problems is always maybe a red card from a player, Jolene, uh, someone that can't finish as well as Jolinton and so on and so forth. It would be a different ball game. Most of only's defeats when it mattered most were maybe that odd stupid sub at the 81st minute after seeing that, okay, this sub should have come earlier, it finally came. So that's why, like in quotes, I never really rated Ori. Yes, there was a sense of bias that, yes, um, he was the one that replaced you. If only replaced maybe Gig, if he replaced Moyes, if he replaced Van Gaal, I would have been softer and all. But I feel like it, it, uh, it came a bit worse because he replaced Mourinho, but 
that wasn't the only reason why I disliked him. I disliked him because of how he had been coaching since Cardiff. And I didn't see him as the one in quotes to lead Manchester United to the Arejo bot. Well, uh, <laughs> I like where you left it there, leading United to the Arejo bot. And, and now we're looking at where United stand at this time. We've been told Carrick and Fletcher would be in charge in the interim. And I'm not sure if we are to expect better or improved performances, seeing that it's the same people that have been working with Oligona Social, except it was a sabotage on, on their part. But now looking forward, who should United be looking at to bring in to handle the affairs and possibly take them to their resting place, as Ohis put it? So, Bamba, I'll be starting with you. Who should United take to bring United back to winning ways? Yeah, we, we, we need to be we need to be realistic. But if it's for wishful thinking, I could say let's go get Pep Guardiola from Manchester City. But you need to be realistic and what the options. Zidane has ruled himself out. Luis Enrique has ruled himself out. And these were two managers that they have the pedigree, they have the name, they have the the influence that it has affected that they will enter the United dressing room and people would listen would listen to them. You get so but the options, potential options that we've been seeing, Pochettino, Ten Hag, I think there's a little bit of Brenda Rogers under the the um, conversation. The issue is that if you ask me personally, I don't want either Pochettino or um, Brenda Rogers because these are men that I would say they're better than Ole, definitely. They've been able to instill their styles in different clubs that we've seen them play, especially Pochettino, even though yeah, he didn't win in and we saw how he built a pattern for Harry Kane, Christian Eriksen, Dele Alli. There, there was a period where everything to Dele Alli was a, was a movement, you get. So that's the man that was able to instill his style. So could he come into United and do the same? Probably do, do the players at United better than the one I had in Tottenham, yeah. But with United don't need someone who is, who is a nearly man after what we've seen with Ole. Ole's, um, Career was at United was filled with nearly moments. He almost made it. So we don't want that. But the best, it seems Pochettino has been in United's eyes for a very long time. And United are a very structured team. United can eye a player for a manager for four. A player, let me use a player for four, three seasons, like they did with Bruno, they did with Sancho, and they will still keep their eyes and their subs on him. So Pochettino might be the one to come in. He might be the best bet out of all of them. I mean, there's 10 hugs. But he, he doesn't even have the pedigree that um, one because the Eredivisie is not the best of leagues. If you want to say Ajax had a beautiful run, if there was anybody that shot the Ajax team, it was Pochettino Sotian. So he probably put, is the most realistic option that United can get because he is saying he doesn't like the structure that is at PSG. But I mean, you can't really tell, but I wouldn't mind to enlarge myself. I, I, I think he, he plays really progressive attacking football and he's not afraid to sort the big name that he's going to dismantle Real Madrid and some other clubs in that run that they had in the, in the Champions League. But let, we just have to wait and see. Um, what United must not do is fall into the same trap they did with Ole because if Carrick gets in and gets in some good results in the next two, three, four games, there should not be any less try this now. 
just it to be the new manager bounce. Let him go. Bring in someone that knows his job and knows how to instill the staff. And let's see what United can do to salvage what has been impossible. So I, I know United have been eyeing Poch, like you mentioned, for a couple of years now. But personally, he's also not my favorite. However, for his, you, you left United, you stopped supporting United because of the managerial option they went for in Oligon Social. Who would be your preferred candidate to take over from this man now? Okay, so um, I'm looking at someone that will give you developing young players. I'm looking at someone that will play expansive and attacking football. And I'm also looking at someone that can land silverware. And there's only one name that I feel that ticks all these boxes. And that is Zinedine Zidane. Zinedine Zidane, um, yes, he doesn't play all out like Pep, but I'm saying the person that ticks all these boxes, two La Liga titles, four Champions League titles, if I'm not wrong, please correct me if I'm wrong, as well as some other silverware. So he's the only person because United is hungry for one of the league or Champions League. And Zinedine Zidane has that factor to get at least one. He showed it when he was in Real Madrid. Some seasons that he was so bad in the league, as low as second and third on the log, he'll win Champions League that season. Season doesn't win Champions League, he goes on and wins the league. If he doesn't win the league, he'll give you the copper and so on and so forth. I don't think trophy less is in Zidane's dictionary. Any season he does, he always calls quits on that season. And we saw that even the second time he was trophyless, he called quits on the season again. So long and short, Zidane, Zidane is my preferred candidate. And I would also like to see him up against some former players like Patrick Vieira, Pep Guardiola, and so on and so forth. There'll be some really juicy tactical battles to want to watch when some former midfield generals battle it out on the field of play. So my preferred candidate may not share to the resting place is Zinedine Zidane. Zinedine Zidane, his, his CV is quite impressive. Personally, I'm not a fan. I, don't, I do not dislike him either, but rumor has it that he has said he doesn't want to come to England. But we would find out because Money, they say, changes a lot of people's plans and mindset. So we'll see how that goes for United. But moving away from the red side of, of Manchester and moving to the blue side, where City puts three goals past Everton, and now they are second on the log, very close behind league leaders Chelsea. Just how good has City been this season, seeing that they are the only team to actually have beaten Chelsea this season. Yeah, um, the rest of the league will definitely thank them for that. Else, uh, Chelsea will probably be leading the club at six points now. So I think City have been solid. They've been, they've not been spectacular. They scored 25 goals um, of the top five teams that's like the top best. Um, and it's it's usually the call that we around. City always usually have um, the most goals of the top teams. They consider these goals and of the top uh, five teams again as the second best, so which is also a good sign. Only Chelsea has considered um, less goals than them. That's for City as well as just six. So I think they be solid both um, at, at the back and in front. Um, lack of a recognized striker, um, as uh, I mean, as Red said once or twice this season, but they, I mean, they found the Bernardo or Sterling. 
um, Oi Greenish has stepped up at some point this season. So I think Pep would be very confident of, I mean, going into uh, the winter period and next year. He's very confident of how his team are playing. They have not even hit the third year, in my opinion. So he will be excited at seeing how good they can be if they can keep up the space. They seem they and Liverpool seem to be the only teams keeping up the pace with league leaders Chelsea. But keeping up the pace and trying to keep this within the limits, we have come to the end of another episode of the Empty Stands podcast. Thank you, AY, Ohiz, and Bamiji for joining me on this one. It was actually an enjoyable one, looking at the lives and time of Oligona Socia at the Theatre of Dreams. For our listeners, do remember to like and subscribe to the podcast on any platform you listen on. And remember to follow us on Twitter at The Empty Stands and on Instagram at The Empty Stands Podcast. Here's wishing your teams in Europe a good performance and result. It's cheers and bye for now.